The mission of the Anaheim Union High School District is to prepare high school graduates who possess a clear sense of purpose and the capacity to achieve their goals. I love that mission. I love the combination of purpose and capacity. Think of a, a vector of helping every kid develop their own sense of direction and energy on that mission. That's really at the heart of our New Pathways campaign. Um, I'm Tom Vanderark, and you're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. And today I have the pleasure uh, to be joined by uh, Michael, Mike Matsua, the superintendent in Anaheim. He's also the author of a terrific new book called Educating for Purposeful Life, a new conception of schooling for the 21st century. Mike, what a treat to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here, Tom. You have a fantastic leadership story. You, you've you've been superintendent there almost 10 years. Is that right? It'll be 10 years in March. You know, Mike, I, I, I think I realized... Um, I think I realized after five years as a superintendent, it was going to take me 10 years to do my three-year plan. <laughs> really, it takes 10 years to do important work, doesn't it? it? It does. I've been very fortunate to have a great team. But you, you've you been in the district for a while. You taught there. You were a school administrator. So I, I, I love the sort of origin story of when you, you shifted to becoming superintendent. How, how did you frame and and initiate this amazing change process that you've been on? Well, the inflection point was about 2012. We had seven police shootings, uh, most many uh, fatalities involved of uh, Latino youth in our uh, city of Anaheim. It was the most in the United States. So there were riots in the streets and it was uh, pretty, and of course we're in the shadow of Disneyland. And so that cannot happen in the city of Anaheim. And then Mayor Tom Tate and myself, I worked in the district as a leader of professional development. And we had a number of circles, uh, restorative circles with students who were basically saying, look at, we have, we feel we have no future here in Anaheim uh, other than the gang life. And so they really put pressure on us to change the trajectory of schools and of the relationship with the city and really with access to a meaningful and purposeful jobs. So that's really the origin story of leading to what we have now. Mike, your new book, uh, Educating for Purposeful Life, really goes into some detail on the, the career preparedness um, framework that you developed. Uh, how, how did that develop over what period of time and what, what kind of influences uh, helped you develop that frame? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, and also I want to uh, put a shout out to my co-author, David Brazer of Stanford. But um, I um, that started uh, 10, 11 years ago when I became superintendent in 2014. Uh, we really uh, felt we needed to make this shift into career preparedness away from test scores. So we, we pulled away from teaching to the test or any sort of uh, uh, in fact, in our district, we don't even mention test scores. But uh, the then Mayor Tom Tate brought in some corporate leaders, and we had a meeting with about a dozen of them. And we were not asking for any money or any support other than mentorship and time. And uh, we got about eight to 10 of them to agree. And that's how our, our career pathways really began to now where we have over a hundred corporate and nonprofit partners and probably one of the most robust CTE 
pathways based on a student's purpose and passion. Uh, so we're really proud of the work that we've done since then. That framework, it surfaces 21st century skills plus technical skills, and then you add um, youth voice. Why, why do you think that's the, the third leg on the stool? The, the youth voice is vital because as my colleague David Brazier says that, hey, you know, we, especially during the pandemic, I think districts realize that students are volunteers. They can choose not to come. And they realize, I think, during the pandemic that um, they can get a lot of information on uh, their uh, on the Internet. Right. Um, they don't necessarily need schools to have an education. Um, and so I think we learned that prior uh, to the pandemic that and we felt students are volunteers. They need more agency in the system, more voice, more sense of belonging. And um, so we really work on teasing out youth voice and that youth voice leads to a purpose, leads to a major, leads to what they might want to do with this thing called a job. And I think one of your former uh, guests, Ben Vidalski, he spoke very eloquently about the need for 712 systems to work on purpose. And that uh, is going to help them uh, throughout college and throughout life. One of the sponsors of our uh, new Pathways campaign, Mike, is uh, American Student Assistance, ASA. And they're really the leading advocate for middle grade career exploration, uh, as well as youth voice and, and agency. Um, your book goes into detail on how you think about this as a as a 712 system. What, what's middle school like in Anaheim and how do you start a career exploration in the middle grades? Well, it really is uh, nested in um, the uh, what we call performance task assessments leading to capstone portfolios, digital portfolios. Um, and that's in every grade. And we do have the capstone uh, interviews, exit interviews at eighth grade and again at 12th grade. But this is not just a one and done thing. This is uh, it begins in your first day of school uh, through the performance task, which have integrated each of these uh, three drivers of CPSF, as we call it, the 21st century skills, the which are like we call them the five C's, critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, uh, communication and compassion, as well as the actual pathways. And the third one is student voice. That really begins in seventh and eighth grade. And if you think about the construct of a TED Talk, for example, that, that's a great construct. It, and it um, affirms a student's own narrative, their own stories. But then that student begins to figure out what their passion is in life. So there's a lot of exploratory type of careers and uh, looking at student assets in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And that leading more into uh, career pathways. I, I want to go all the way back to the to the beginning and, and have you talk more about um, changing the narrative. This is your opening chapter, but wh what what did you do to change? High, high school is such a thick narrative, that, right? There's a lot of tradition around how we do things. Um, but how, how did you change the narrative both in the school and in the community and, and get refocused on this mission? Well, I think it goes back right now. There's a lot of districts struggling with um, 
chronic absenteeism and why are and learning loss. I think it's more about uh, engagement loss and in terms of changing the narrative. Um, and there are many examples of that where kids uh, find their own narrative, right? We have a kid, we started cybersecurity pathway in 2017 and we had uh, kids that whose parents worked as day laborers at Home Depot, right? They're from Mexico and we're on that pathway. And changing the narrative is basically getting that same kid to think about uh, cybersecurity or biotech, taking dual credit courses. And actually this kid, there's many kids now who have graduated with two uh, dual credit courses from the community college and cybersecurity or biotech or AI and getting jobs upon high school. We have kids getting jobs at $60,000, $70,000 a year with a high school diploma whose narrative would have been working at Home Depot. And now they're making uh, a lot of money pushing six-figure incomes with a high school diploma. So um, the second chapter is about systems thinking. Um, and you start to get into the nuts and bolts of the change process and how you think about systems architecture. Um, how would you describe the change effort? Was it a whole district altogether, or did you did you phase it in by theme or phase it uh, by school readiness? How did you organize the change effort? Well, the CPSF, the three drivers that we talked about, are really the uh, that came in probably tw- 2020, right about during the pandemic. Uh, because there were, uh, we were concerned about things becoming siloed. You know, we were focused on student voice. We were focused on whole child education. Uh, we were uh, really trying to work with community colleges and our ROP programs for those uh, CTE pathways, and that became sort of a convergence. Um, and and so, uh, one of the things I want to emphasize in terms of that chapter two and, and systems is that it's easy to talk about systems, but it's very difficult to actually wrestle with that. And um, I think one of the points that we make is that oftentimes there's this tension in terms of what you perceive uh, reality versus what is real. And I think you have to have people around you within that learning organization that are able to see the blind spots of your organization and then say, look, we got to do something about this. And oftentimes it's navigating uh, the associations. Sometimes it's navigating the faculty senate at the community colleges. Sometimes it's working with parents so that they understand the change because it took a lot for us to move away from test scores. Um, There was a lot at risk because we knew, I told the teacher leaders that if our test scores go down, we're all going to go down here, including myself, right? So uh, we really focused a lot on reflective uh, reading and literate writing, and we did not, uh, uh, I mean, we unleashed the innovative uh, uh, power of teachers, which I, I, I think it's important to, you know, to, to underscore that there are amazing teacher leaders at every one of our sites. And if we unleash that innovation and creativity, we're going to unleash all the creativity uh, and potentials of kids. Are your high schools organized around career pathways? Yes, they are. We have all of the, you know, California has identified something like 20 different career pathways. We have 17 of them um, across an array of both traditional and more forward thinking pathways. 
But then we also have um, specific exclusive pathways at each one of our high schools. I had mentioned cybersecurity, biotech, artificial intelligence, um, to name a few. And then we have a drone pathway. So um, there's, I, I think wh where schools get stuck is in developing these pathways is they think very traditionally in terms of, you know, who do I have in front of me at the high school level? And then once you, but I, I say, look at, once you start enlarging your aperture of what school is, schools should include your community colleges. They should include your business and nonprofit partners. And all of a sudden the resources really expand. Schools no longer just in one classroom or one high school. Now it's like across the community. And uh, we're in 17 different cities in two states in terms of our mentorships now. So we've enlarged this concept of what schools could be. How, how do you decide uh, what pathway goes where? You, you talk in your book about systemness, but how, how do you make those decisions? How do you balance the, the sort of top-down um, versus local leadership? Great question, Tom. I think that's where, again, people get stuck because we need to have skills. We, I'm talking about superintendents and cabinets, uh, skills to talk to business leaders, right? Business leaders will tell you in a county what, those, what ideally is missing in terms of those pathways. And those types of meetings, what we do is reverse engineer it. I mean, I, we started with cybersecurity. We brought in some of the major cybersecurity uh, financial tech businesses in the same room with a uh, community college president, the dean of computer science at Cypress College, and then our own people to reverse engineer what a job would, would entail for this sector to hire a kid from high school or community college or four years. So what we did is develop exit points, uh, high school, community college, four years. And what does that look like if you're gonna hire within this sector? So it's reverse engineered. And we have enough businesses now who consider us as part of really their HR. And if you think about a farm team in baseball, we are uh, developing a farm team for talent and, and our communities. And I, 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 I read a lot of um, books, obviously, and I'm very much a follower of people like Raj Chetty out of Harvard, who talks about the need to uh, develop Einstein's, especially in low income areas, um, to create ecosystems of innovation. And because of that, we now have um, an incubator lab at one of our high schools to um, really, you know, um, help incubate ideas and take them to market. And I think that's really, really important to unleash the potential uh, creativity and innovation in our immigrant uh, population primarily. Mike, you, you, you mentioned a couple of new um, high-tech pathways. Th those seem particularly challenging to create, to find curriculum, uh, to staff. How, how, do you, um, how, do you, how do you build and staff these new pathways? So I, I want to say this, that, you know, again, not teaching to the test really frees you in terms of being innovative because um, you're not focused on increasing a test score. So now we're focused on whole child development and also building career pathways. So um, like for biotechnology and cyber uh, security, 
the traditional uh, uh, teacher is not credentialed in those areas. And that's why you need to have that wide reach into community colleges, working with those folks in terms of their capacity. Uh, so example, we and, and I got to say this too, all of our pathways and all of our innovation is happening during the school day. So it's not an after school program, although that's nice. A lot of superintendents and so forth talk about after school, you know, STEM programs or these pathways. And then during the school day, they're focused on test scores. To me, that's not really, um, really uh, the, building the type of change and transformative work that needs to happen that your show, show talks about um, uh, for school systems. Um, so because we took the testing off the table, we can focus on really building real pathways and grounded in student voice and purpose. We're talking to Mike Matsudi. He's a superintendent in Anaheim and author of a terrific new book called Educating for Purposeful Life. Mike, it, it all comes down to teachers. Um, I, I'd, I'd love your, your view on, um, on growing great teachers. What, what's that look like in Anaheim? So I, I think um, we need to distinguish between traditional union leaders and instructional teacher leaders. Ideally, they should be the same. Um, but oftentimes that that's not the case. And in our district, you know, we've we've um, um, grown together. Uh, I'm talking about we being the district and our, our um, union leadership about understanding the difference. So that's number one. Uh, number two, then you really focus on elevating those teacher instructional leaders as department chairs, um, as released uh, teachers. Um, in our district, for example, we have curriculum specialists that are totally aligned with our mission and vision. They're not siloed as, as an ELA or in math or in science. These are folks that know how to integrate cross-curricularly. You think about solving uh, uh, global warming and climate change, you, there's no credential in climate change, yet that crosses so many areas. And it's also going to create uh, opportunities to problem solve and to monetize those things. So going back to biotech, for example, our kids, because of the partnership with Fullerton College and dual credit, our kids are learning the basic of genetic editing, right? So, and, and the kids now like developing new DNA strands, they can monetize that and make a ton of money, right? on problem solving, developing a new drought resistance tomato, for example. So these are the type of ideas that we're implanting in students and getting them to think differently about um, how to make school work for them and not thinking about, well, school's something that's done to them, right? And I think that's part of the problem with 20 years of standardized testing. Mike, if, if you compare the student experience, 712 in Anaheim to other Southern California districts, what are two or three kind of key differentiators? What, what would be different about a student's experience in Anaheim? Well, I can give you our mic drop in that the University of California, Irvine, has identified us as a lead district because our students, our cohorts are outperforming all other cohorts. Uh, regardless of demography. In terms of persistence rates in the university, 
I mean, they're 10 points above and GPAs. And that's true at Cal State Fullerton. And that's also true at our community colleges. And they're crediting that with so many of our kids coming out with an idea of their purpose and agency. That's the key thing, as well as our emphasis on teaching the five C's in every class every day. And then if you add the third leg of the CPSF, a lot of kids are coming in with multiple dual credit uh, courses aligned to a career pathway. I want to drill down on that that sense of purpose because it's so key. It's key to your mission. It's 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 a it's the red thread in your book. Um, like, w- what kinds of experiences in Anaheim help students develop that purpose? Is it is is it instruction? Is it the guidance system? Is it a combination of all of those things? It's a combination of all of those and being exposed to adults through the mentoring programs that are successful in different fields to give them an idea of what, what's possible. There's a, there's a photograph that we often share of four boys, Latino youth, looking for the first time, rather than on the outside looking in at these big, wonderful skyscrapers, they're on the inside looking out. And I think that type of experience, both in the classroom and beyond, uh, giving them that wider aperture, um, we have we have teachers because we've unleashed this creativity. We have teachers teaching like Minecraft, where kids are developing and creating their own community schools. Um, the concept of community schools. So th- that innovation is is just um, really now unleashed in our district. And what our job is to help support those teachers who are innovating and finding those stories and sharing those stories with the larger community. And that creates a wave of movement forward. This book uh, just did a beautiful job of laying out the change process. Uh, it's a great story, as as well as a uh, being full of important lessons for superintendents. I, I wonder, Mike, as you worked on this book uh, over the last few years, um, reflections on on who who are the key influences, the supports, the guides, the partners along the way that uh, that have really benefited uh, Anaheim's success? Well, we have a collaborative with all of our higher ed partners for, you know, UCI and our, we have a huge gear up grant through Cal State Fullerton. Um, those are key partners as well as our, uh, I mentioned our community college presidents and vice presidents. And we meet monthly. I mean, it's not like, I mean, the, the people that can make decisions are meeting on a monthly basis. And and, the, and we've had uh, really uh, tough uh, discussions about gaps between our systems. So those guys are important. And I had mentioned the CEOs. I've met with many of them in Orange County. And um, they, they're they also part of our, our think tank and our extended cabinet on these types of decisions. And then... The, the teacher leaders, those who are out front uh, every day that have the instructional chops that are making good things happen in the, in the schools. For example, we, we've adopted uh, the TED Talk format we, uh, through, uh, they're called soapbox speeches from seven, grade seven all the way to 12. You can imagine how strong our kids are. I mean, talk about sense of purpose, agency, and voice. A TED Talk construct is really that, right? And you start it in seventh grade, you get that kid in front of a parent, and all I have to do is say, hey, can you imagine when your kid is uh, applying for a job, how they're going to do orally? 
And, and, you know, the parent nods their head and they say, yes, I want more of that. No parent in our district is talking about test scores. And by the way, Tom, we have the number one performing uh, school in California, Oxford Academy. And um, there's and even at Oxford, the parents are very excited about the five C's and all the shift that we're making because they know that their kids, they're going to go to the top UCs or Ivy Leagues and they're going to be leaders um, in society. And that's what this shift is all about. It's about leadership, no matter where your child ends up in life. Um, and that's the key leadership, success, happiness, right? And that's also another piece about mental health, right? People are struggling with mental health that they focus on these five C's in the classroom. Uh, I'm not saying mental health is going to be solved, but I do believe that mental health and um, is connected to pedagogy. And if Going back to this thing about learning loss and kids not coming to school. They're not coming to school because schools become very boring and rote and not, not, it doesn't relate to a, a kid's interests. And I think that's what we're missing in education now. As we spend all these billions of dollars on learning loss, we should be really focused on engagement loss. We've been talking to Mike Matsuda. He's the superintendent in Anaheim Union High School District where students graduate with a clear sense of purpose and the capacity to achieve their goals. Uh, Mike's a co-author of a terrific new book called Educating for Purposeful Life. Um, Mike, I think every school leader ought to read this. It's a must for system leaders because it, it details systems thinking. Uh, I, I think uh, parents would appreciate this because it's uh it, they have to be part of the new narrative of high school so thank you for this new book thanks tom and thanks for everybody at getting smart thanks to mason pasha our producer and uh, that getting smart team that makes this possible until next week keep leading keep learning and uh like mike keep innovating for equity thanks for tuning into the getting smart podcast today we want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at GettingSmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much. 